We want, <clears throat> we want to welcome everyone to our morning service here at the Boonville Church of Christ. Thank you for being here on such a rainy day. And we want to especially uh, welcome all of those that are watching this morning on Facebook or listening to our broadcast. Thank you for being part of it. We come together each Sunday morning to worship the Lord. As we begin, let's begin with a prayer. Our Father, thank you for the rain that we are receiving now. Thank you for all of the blessings that you bestow upon us every day. We're thankful that we have the opportunity to be here this morning to come together to worship you. And Father, we pray that as we enter into our worship together, we can take the things that are said and done and we can put it into our lives. Father, help us to be a better person for being here today. Forgive us when we do wrong. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. First song this morning will be in the books, if you use the books, uh, 624, Seeking the Law. I think it works. Okay. Sorry about that. Seeking the lost, yes, kindly entreating wanderers on the mountain astray. Come unto me, Jesus, the land of 
song. We're going to change it up just a little bit. I've heard a, a song version of it, and it came to out of my head, so the best way to do it is to take it to church. So what we're going to do is we'll just lengthen the second beat and do it in a, a little bit. Uh, you'll get the feel of it as we go through and give it. If you don't, uh, you want to wait a little bit, and we'll do some syncopation with some of the eight
I thank for this another Lord Day morning assembly. We're thankful for everyone here and we pray that our worship this day will be pleasing under the We thank you, Father, for the comfortable building we have to enter in and worship thee. And we're so thankful for those on the road that may have sacrificed so we have this comfortable day. We're thankful, Father, for thy word. We pray for Brother Ken as he preaches and teaches with us that we will be grow strong in the faith and our number will increase and we might be a shining light by this community, Father. We're thankful, Father, for our elders. We pray, Father, they look to thee for guidance and that would be a guide in hand in every decision they make. We're mindful for those that are sick, Father, that would love to be with us this morning. We ask our blessing be upon them. For those having surgeries this week, Father, we pray they'll be with them and help them bear the pain of surgery, Father, and they will overcome quickly, Father. We pray for those lost loved ones that will comfort them, Father. We thank for our great nation. Thank for our leaders. We thank for our president who stands against abortion, killing our unborn babies. We ask thee, Father, we bless Brother Ken with good remembers his lesson this day. We ask thee, Father, if we have any sin against us, that would forgive us if we repent and turn from those things, Father. And pray that our continued blessings as we share thee. In Christ's name, amen. The next song is Room in the Kingdom. Uh, this will be the song before scripture reading and the, uh, the lesson of the hour. It's only on the screen. So. There is room in the kingdom of God, my brother, for the small things that you can do. Just a small tiny that makes you another is the word God has
I'll be reading 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 through 9. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. Good morning, everybody. Oh, it's great to see you. Is it still raining out there? I was looking forward to the 8.30 gathering out there in the parking lot. That was a huge success last week, and we were looking forward maybe to even a, a larger group. And then the rain came, and I got to thinking, man, if you're sitting in that car with that rain coming down, it doesn't matter how, lo- how loud the PA system is, you're not going to be able to hear. So I'm thankful to those of you who normally come to that, but you chose to come and be a part of our service. I know that there are some who were only going to come to the 8.30 service, still for fear of the virus. So if you're at home, uh, you know, we apologize, but we're glad that we still have an avenue to reach out. And I know that we have others literally all over the world who turn in to our services and participate in our worship. Isn't it a blessing to be able to gather both in a local setting together, but also to know that there are others with us. I'm glad that you're here and that we can encourage one another in our time of worship. Today, I want to challenge all of us that we are either planters in the kingdom of God or we are waterers. But before we begin our study of God's word, let's pray that he'll bless us in that endeavor as we, as we worship him and our meditation upon his word. Please pray. Our Father, thank you for the blessing of this day and for the opportunity that we have to assemble in this this dry and warm environment, free from the elements that are against us outside. Father, it's with mixed emotions that we face strong, rainy days like this, but we're thankful for every blessing that comes, whether it's sunshine or rain. And we're thankful now for this time that we can be set apart from that, sheltered from the elements, to be able to, with no hindrances whatsoever, meditate and study upon your word. And I pray, Father, that your word will find its place in our hearts today. Help us to be open to the instruction that we find here. Help us, Lord, to do some self-examination. Thank you, Father, for your patience with us and motivate and drive us, Lord, to be all that you intend for us to be, whether that is in regard to the planting of your word or of the watering of it. And thank you, Lord, for the skills that are in this congregation. Help us to be able to utilize each one. I pray, Lord, that you'll help me to communicate your truth today. And I pray for our hearers that they'll be able to accept it and to use it, make application. In Jesus' name, amen. I love this text because 
Paul sets himself up as an example of a planter. And his co-worker, Apollos, he sets up as an example of someone who is a waterer. And he makes the point that whether you are a planter or you are a waterer, both of you working together are accomplishing God's work. You are a fellow worker with God. It's interesting to me that just a few verses earlier in verse 4, while Paul is setting himself and Apollos up as examples of what to do, he uses them as as an example of what not to be. In fact, he refers to them as being carnal. Now, to be carnally minded means that you have a fleshly influence. The fleshly influence that they were experiencing was that they looked at men like Paul and Apollos, and they separated them from each other. Some would say, oh, I love the Apostle Paul because he is tremendous as an evangelist. That guy goes out there into communities full of Gentiles, people who don't even know God, and he's able to convert them and start churches. He must be the greatest preacher that there's ever been. And then within that same congregation, there were people who looked at Apollos and would say something like, well, you know, yeah, Paul's a great guy, and he did establish churches, but you notice how he'll start a church, and then he'll leave that, and he'll go somewhere else. And yeah, he's been influential in so many regions of the world, but he's just left these churches one right after the other. It's people like Apollos who labor and work really hard with a local church. That kind of guy, they would say, is really the great preacher of our time. And so some would say, I'm of Paul. And some would say, I'm of Apollos. Others would look at people like Peter, who's the great apostle. They say, I'm like Peter. Or, or they just not sure who they go with, so they just go with Jesus. You know, they were dividing themselves. Paul says, that is a carnal mind. And what you're missing here is that it isn't just the work of a planter or the work of a waterer or someone who does maybe even a little of both. It is actually the combined efforts of everyone together under the blessing of God that makes for a great work in the kingdom of God. You see, Paul and Apollos both were instruments of God for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Now here's what I want us to realize right now. For some people, maybe it'll be a hard truth. Except for what I read here in the scriptures... I say, well, there's what Paul said, or here's an example of Apollos. Except for those things, Paul and Apollos, they're not here anymore. I have their words, I have their influence as it is described in the Scriptures, but they are not here. Paul is no longer going about communities starting churches. Apollos is not there any longer in a local church, feeding that church and building it up. Those guys are gone a couple of thousand years ago. 
They were instruments for their time. Who's God's instrument now? Just take that little finger of yours and don't just point it at me. (laughs) Take that finger and point it right here at yourself. You. You are God's instrument for the building and the advancement of the kingdom of God. And if I'm an instrument of God, then I need to know exactly what it is that God intends to do with me. So this morning, let's just dig right into that. See what it is that God was doing with them and others like them, and then maybe be able to draw from that some inspiration for ourselves to truly be an effective instrument for God in the advancement of His kingdom today. To be the people who take up the mantle of those who have gone before us. Because you see, somebody, somebody has to plant in order for God's work to be accomplished. Now the text says, and from Paul's own words, I planted in verse 6. I might ask Paul, well, Paul, you say you planted, but where did you plant? And if you look at verse 9, you will see that they were God's field, they were God's building. Paul was planting in the field. To plant means that you are an initiator. You begin a work. You see to it that the, the groundwork is laid. And that as the church is being established, that it has, it has some substance from which to draw its strength. Now, I know, and this is going to be kind of a, a, a terrifying segment of my sermon today because I, I am not an effective gardener. A few years ago, we put a garden in our yard and had to leave it for a couple of weeks. And when we came back, well, I'll just say it, it had become a mess of weeds. We really, we really got no produce out of it. In fact, we've tried, we've tried to have gardens several times to no real good effect. I grew up, however, in a home where my, man, my father, he had a garden every year, and he had a garden way bigger than what we needed. So we gave a lot of, away a lot of stuff. But I do remember kind of the basic components We'd go out there at the beginning of the season and he would get a tractor with some discs on it and he would turn over the ground and then eventually he would cultivate that soil until it became loose. And by the way, it became loose enough so that my brother and I could go out there and pick out all the rocks that had grown over the winter. And as we kind of got that soil prepared, then Dad, once it was just right, he'd go back and he would make some rows. And then I remember the planting process. You know, you'd have that straight row right there and have a bag full of seeds. And we'd just go down that row, dropping the seeds at a prescribed distance. And we would kind of put the fertilizer in and kick it with our feet. I remember doing that, just going along the road, kicking the dirt over those seeds. And then once everything was put in its place, we'd go back, we'd water it. And every day, it seemed like, we go out there, we're getting the weeds, and we're tending to that garden. And eventually, eventually, with enough time and sunshine and rain and attention, 
a little sprig of something would come up out of that dirt. And eventually, you know, it would grow into a mature plant and it would produce its fruit. That was an exciting time. It required a lot of attention. The same is true with the kingdom of God. Now, when I look at what Paul did, Paul went all over the world spreading the gospel, turning Gentiles, not just Jews, but Gentiles who had been following after false gods. They turned them to the true and the living God. Amazing. But there were others involved in the general process of planting because it isn't just laying seed. Sometimes it's in that cultivation of getting the ground ready, as was the case with John the Baptist. In John chapter 1 and verse 23, John said, I am the one who is crying out in the wilderness, prepare, make straight the way of the Lord. You see, he's like that guy who goes in there and gets the rose ready. And then there were people like Jesus' own apostles who had received the word of God and the responsibility that was theirs to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Mark 16 and verse 15. And then later, as they had gone into that world and the gospel has been preached for the very first time on the day of Pentecost, Jews from every nation assembled there. As they are preaching, people are being converted. And in verse 47 of Acts chapter 2, we find out that the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. The Lord is adding those who have heard the gospel proclaimed by those who are planting those seeds. And then as that truth is being perpetuated from one person to another, the Apostle Paul reminds Timothy, one of those who would follow in his own footsteps, to be certain that the truth that he planted was the true seed. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, he said, And the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Just continuing that same unadulterated, true seed, generation after generation after generation. I am amazed at what they were able to do and how that rubbed off on subsequent generations. In fact, generally speaking, as the church was facing its own degree of persecution, instead of just folding their hands and sitting down and forgetting about the challenge of the gospel, they instead were invigorated. And so when persecution came to the church in Acts chapter 8 and verse 4, the scripture says that they went everywhere preaching the word. It didn't stop when a little bit of trouble came along or a little pressure. No, in fact, it just spurred them on to greater heights. It might be that you are a planter. What do we plant? Luke chapter 8, verse 11, which is a text in the midst of a greater story concerning seeds and planting, the responsibility of planting that seed. But in that text, it just simply tells us that the seed is the Word of God. If you can handle the Word of God to such an extent that you can plant that Word on the heart of another person, then you are well on your way to being an instrument that God can use for the planting of His Word. 
Maybe you're not necessarily in tune with that, but you certainly are interested in evangelism or reaching others with the gospel. Maybe it is that you're a part of that contingent of people that were being prayed for, that go out into the work that's already been started and reap the rewards of what has been done. In Matthew chapter 9, verses 37 and 38... That's exactly what Jesus was talking about when he was praying that there would be some who would come and reap the benefits of that which had been planted. The fields are white for harvest. Maybe you're that, a planter. Many years ago, about a hundred years ago, there was a group of missionaries who left the United States and went to Australia to proclaim the gospel so far as they knew for the very first time. And there were many converts in that nation. But among those converts was actually a foreigner, an islander from Vanuatu. In fact, to be more specific, he was from a little village called Duviara. Duviara in their language literally means the end of the gate. The end of the gate was located at the very top of a volcano on the small island of Ambai. That guy was just one of the workers on a big ship, but he heard the gospel. He obeyed the gospel in Australia. And then when his time of service was over, he loaded back up on that ship and eventually made himself back to his nation of Vanuatu, to the island of Ambai, to the village of Diviara, that place, the end of the gate. When he got there, you know what he did? He taught the gospel to his village brethren 100 years ago. They did the very best that they could as they knew how to establish the New Testament church on the top of that volcano among a people who generally worshipped the god of the volcano. And there was persecution. There were difficulties. But they maintained their faith for yet another hundred years until, bring us to modern times, my friend Robert Martin was there in one of the marketplaces just kind of checking out Vanuatu, didn't know that the church had been established here a hundred years ago. He's handing out track packets. One of the members of the church up there on that volcano read the track that he had handed out. He said, wait a minute. This church that you're talking about, I know this church. And Robert's kind of like, thinking in his mind, sure you did, sure you did. He said, no, really, I will take you to the church in my village. So Robert, on a separate trip, made his way to Duviara in Ambai, Vanuatu. And what he found at the top of that volcano was a church that was functioning as the Lord's church had been doing so for a hundred years without anybody's help. How is that possible, Ken? How can a people who are so averse to Christianity in their idolatrous behavior be converted to follow New Testament Christianity without any help from modern preachers? I'll tell you how. By the planting of the seed, which is the Word of God. If you are a planter of seed, there is just no telling what impact you will have for the kingdom of God. Somebody has to do it. Might as well be you, don't you think? 
Someone also has to water in order for God's work to be accomplished. Now, our text says that Apollos watered, verse 6. And I asked the question just as I did about the Apostle Paul. Where in the world did he water? Well, you'll notice in verse 9 that it was in God's field, it was in God's building. Apollos watered in God's building. And what's interesting about that word that's translated building right there is that that word originally means literally that which is built up. And it is often used to describe encouragement. When you are encouraged, when you are built up in your faith, when somebody spurs you on to greater heights, that's the idea of being built up. That's exactly what Apollos did in the kingdom of God. He built up local churches that he served. Now, Apollos wasn't the only one who was involved in that process. Timothy, we mentioned him a moment ago. He was following in the footsteps of the Apostle Paul. But you'll notice that as Paul went on his missionary journeys, typically what he would do is send back Timothy or Titus to work with one of those congregations. Timothy, just like Apollos, was a waterer. And listen to this, Paul's admonition to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. He says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Timothy, not just for you, not just for you, but for everybody who hears the word that you preach, know that that word is effective and that it changes people. Have confidence that not only does a seed, when it's planted, result in a Christian, but also understand that when that seed is planted in a Christian, that it can flower into the development of righteousness in them. And when they make mistakes, that word of God will correct them. When they do what's right, it will just encourage them further. Timothy, give them the word of God. I think about somebody like Barnabas who was influenced by people like Paul and Apollos and the life change that occurred with him such that he could be called the encourager. In Acts chapter 4, beginning at verse 32, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them, brought the proceeds of the things that were sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet. And they distributed to each as anyone had need. And Joseph, who is also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. You know, Paulus, Apollos was a great encourager. Well, what about Barnabas? Barnabas was given a nickname by the apostles. What do you think that says about him? He was so known for the encouragement that he was given that they actually changed his name among the brethren. Wow. And to the point, he sees that there are people in need. What does he do? He says, well, you know, I, I, I've got this property. You know, I could sell this property, give it. That could help some folks. If it will help the kingdom of God, Barnabas says, 
I will do it. It's valuable to me, sure. But there's something more valuable, and that is the kingdom of God. And so I'm going to use whatever's necessary in order to build others up. Self-sacrifice is a hallmark of a person who is such an encourager. And then there was that lady, Dorcas. She's mentioned in Acts chapter 9, verse 36, as a person of good works and charitable deeds. You say, well, great. Except that the rest of the story is this woman had died. They want her, the widows do, resurrected because there's just nobody like her, you know? She's just one of those people that her living is such a blessing to all of us that as much as we, you know, we relish the idea of her going to heaven, we just don't really honestly want her going there, yet (laughs) we still need her to be so loved, so appreciated because of the work you do in the kingdom of God. What a, what a tribute. But do you know you can be that too? You can be that waterer. You can be that encourager, that person who builds up. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. I see in those couple of verses just such positivity. Come to, come to worship with me. It's just the greatest, oh, I just can't wait. I saw on Facebook uh, last night as I was kind of reading over some notes there, someone made the point, oh, I just, I can't wait until tomorrow to assemble with my brothers and sisters to worship. And you know what I say? Amen to that. I just can't hardly wait. I was so excited about 8.30, getting out there on that parking lot and seeing those folks who otherwise could not be with us. God help us that they're on the live stream right now. Praise the Lord for that ability. But boy, when 10.30 comes and this building starts filling up, There is just no other time during the week that is a high point like this because we've all come with the intention of worshiping God and we encourage, we build one another up in the faith. Wow! There isn't anything shy of heaven that is as great an opportunity as this one right here to experience spiritual uplifting spiritual happiness and joy. Right here it is. And you can do that for somebody else. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Question, why did he put in order all these things? Why do we have elders and deacons? Why do we have ministers? Why do we have teachers? Why do we have instruction from the scripture? Why do we have all of that? Just so you could be built up so that you could just get fired up about your Christianity. None of those things is supposed to deplete us. All of those things are supposed to motivate us, motivate us such that when we become empowered, we will do our part as a member of the body of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 3. 
For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence. Question, when was he talking about all those body parts? Well, he says, look at yourself. You know how it's got all these parts? I remember some years ago, I think it was Lever 2000, their advertising on television was, it's for your 2,000 parts. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I got 2,000 parts or not, but no, no, I got a lot of them. And every one of them's important to me. Every one of them I want to see functioning in the way that they were originally intended to function. Same thing with the body of Jesus Christ. Every single member plays its part. If that part isn't planting, then maybe it's in the watering process, but if it's healthy, if it's healthy, it's going to be doing something. And oh, note to self, if I see that I'm not doing anything, maybe I'm not very healthy. Maybe I need to seek the physician. So you say, Ken, it's not like that. We're all busy. We're all in the work. We're all in. Then great. When that happens, then everybody needs to praise God for what is being done in the kingdom of God. The accomplishments that are made, who gets the credit? You see, the carnally-minded Corinthians were saying, oh, I'm with Paul, he should get all the credit. Others said, oh, I'm with Apollos, he should get all the credit. Oh, I'm with Peter, he gets the credit. Jesus gets the credit. Stop. Who gets the credit? Well, Apollos and Paul working together. God used them as his instruments in order to accomplish great things. Notice that again from verse 6. Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Who gave the increase? Was it because Paul was such a great preacher? No. Was it because Apollos was such a great preacher? No. It's because God said, wait, this is a good thing. Verse 13, it's a good work, so I'm going to bless it. I'm going to bless it. Why is he blessing it? Verse 9, because they were fellow workers together with God. Think with me now. Who are we working with? We're working with God. If you're working with God, do you expect to fail? Shake your head this way. No, you do not. If you are doing your part, you know God's going to do His part. Isn't that right? Nod your head this way. I know God's going to do His part. So I am guaranteed success if then I'm contributing my part. Am I, are you, contributing your part? Do we have a body that's fully functional? All of its, all of its 2,000 parts. Are they all working together to the glory of God? 
Boy, I sure hope so. Here's something that I know. I know that God intends for us either to plant or to water. Look, as we've been recounting these things, and you've been sitting there going, I'm a planter. Great. Then plant. Maybe you've been sitting there going, nah, I'm, I'm not, not really a planter. I'm more a waterer. You know, I, I encourage people. I, I do that. Okay, that's, that's great too. Then water. Get busy doing that. Encourage. Build people up. Maybe you're sitting there and you say, well, you know, I, I'm not just altogether a planter and I'm not altogether a waterer. I'm a little mix of both, Ken. Terrific. You're the total package. That's wonderful. But also know this. If you are not planting, you had better be watering. And if you're not watering, you had better be planting. And then when God gives the increase... You know who we'll give the glory to? We'll give the glory to God, won't we? If you're a child of God, I'm pretty sure you know already which one of those you are, a planter or a waterer. Today's lesson is meant to encourage you in that, to be the very best that you can possibly be, to be God's true instrument for the kingdom today. But if you've been thinking, ah... You know what? No, that isn't me. Then one of two things. Repent and pray that God will forgive you. Or maybe it is that something's a chronic problem with you. You need the encouragement of this congregation. And this affords you a great opportunity to make known the weakness that you have and let us pray with you and encourage you. That's, we're a family. There is no shame in admitting, I need your help. Maybe there's somebody here today that would like to solicit that from the rest of us. And I promise you, without judgment, we will give it. Maybe you're not a child of God today. That's the first step, to become a part of the kingdom so that you can promote the thing that saved you. So if you believe Jesus is the Son of God... Take the next step. Act on that. Believing He's the Son of God, repent, turn away from your sins, confess your faith that He's the Son of God, that God raised Him from the dead. Be buried in water. Have your sins washed away by the blood of Jesus. Rise in newness of life and start planting and watering. If there's anybody who needs to respond today for any reason, now's the opportunity to do it. Why don't you come up if you need to while we stand together and sing. Live for Jesus, oh my brother, is his
Before we begin, if uh, you don't have a communion cup, would you please raise your hand and you'll be assisted? Would you bow with me? Dear Lord, we thank you for this bread we have here before us that represents Christ's body that he gave for sinners like us on that cruel death on the cross. Just ask that we may partake of this in a way that's pleasing unto thee. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. you bow with me. Lord, I also want to thank you for the cup that we have here before us and represents Christ's blood that he also shed on that cross. And as he did it with all of us in his thoughts. And just ask that as we partake of this, that we just may also be in the right mindset as we do so. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We also are commanded to give back a portion of what is ours on the first day of the week. You have that opportunity on the tables in the front and in the back. Would you just go with me to prayer as we do so? Lord, we have so much to be thankful for because of you. We thank you for um, all the blessings that we have on this earth. We thank you that we have the ability to give back to you, that um, we've prospered. And just, just thank you for us being well off enough to do so and just may we give back with the uh, right heart and the right mindset and just remember as we do so that you've already given so much to us and in Christ's name we pray Amen Good morning Aren't you glad you were here today? I didn't get a number handed to me this morning, so we'll go with 200. I don't know if that's close or not, but that's we're going to stick with that. I uh, have just a few announcements this morning. Uh, Bo informed me right when church started at Logan Farr, I believe, Har, Logan Har, uh, I believe he was a student at Boonville High School, was killed in an auto accident last night. Uh, also injured in that accident was Davian Price, so be sure you keep those two families in your prayer. I also have a card of thanks. It says, Dear Church family, thank you so much for all the calls, cards, food, flowers, and prayers after my surgery. Your kindness means so much. I am blessed to have such a caring Christian family. Thank you, Lori Deaton. I do want to bring mine to the uh, list in your bulletin. We have several that are on that list that are sick or, or homebound or in nursing homes. We ask you to please remember those. Uh, also remind you this coming Wednesday night, uh, 7 o'clock, we will be here again for our midweek Bible services. That's all the announcements I have at this time. If you'll bow with me, I'll close with a word of prayer. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you for another opportunity we have to come and worship you in song and praise. Father, we thank you for our church family here at Boonville and 
Help us continue to lift each other up. Father, we thank you so much for Brother Ken. We thank you for his excitement about spreading your word, uh, his joy of bringing others closer to you. We're so thankful for you sending him our way. Father, we ask you to continue to be with the elders, the deacons of the church, as they make decisions, they may lead us in a way that's pleasing unto thee and to help her to grow in numbers as well as grow spiritually. Father, we ask you to be with us through this upcoming week that we all may live and work and play in a manner that will be pleasing unto thee. But most of all, Father, we thank you for your son Jesus, who died on the cross, that we might have forgiveness of our sins and opportunity of home in heaven with thee one day. It's through his precious name we pray. Amen.